Hello, adventurers. You have found Homebrew Heels, a Nat One Life podcast. I am one of your hosts, hostesses, hostesses, Amanda. <laughs> My sister Sarah and I will be talking you through some of the Nat Ones we've rolled in the medical health areas of our life. We are not medical professionals by any means, although I personally have watched quite a bit of Grey's Anatomy. We will be sharing our experiences, how we're advocating for our health, what the experience is like in all its details, good and the gross, the cost of the adventure, and most importantly, how we are working to stay happy and motivated through it all. Right, Sarah. So we have talked about quite a bit on this journey of ours over the last month or so. Um, and already, mm-hmm. I know, right? It's gone by fast. Um So let's give some updates to the people that have been listening about where you're at currently. You've kind of dropped a a couple of hints along the way um, as we've been going through our history. But where are you at right now with your gut issues and um, next steps? Yeah. So finally being able to get caught up uh, to where, you know, day to day life is for me now. um, I believe I mentioned in the last episode and certainly on our blog that I I had the SIBO diet or sorry the SIBO test (laughs) done and essentially uh, it was really easy they and they have you do it at home blow in some test tubes uh, after drinking a solution at specific points of time and then you submit them in and they swab the saliva that or the residue from your breath test it Mm -hmm. and see if what your intestines are doing so I had that done and it came back positive Mm -hmm. and I was a little excited that we're getting somewhere yeah well and so just so everybody knows um SIBO is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth um and you know, when I go to John Hopkins Medicine, the the definition of it is that there's a small, your small intestine, um, or I'm sorry, cut that out. I can't mm-hmm. read and talk at the same time apparently today, <clears throat> which is ironic because it's one of my superpowers. So, <laughs> um, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth occurs when there's an excess bacteria in your small intestine. And it often happens because of lack of movement in the small intestine. So the theory is like your intestines kind of paralyzed or frozen and naturally it's supposed to be moving your food through your body. And this bacteria is in there and it's multiplying and it's feeding off of the food that you you're consuming because your body's not pushing the, um, food through your uh the rest of your body exactly and so um it's just it's interesting because you may experience weight loss it talks about that iron deficiencies fatigue nausea abdominal pain diarrhea all of the things that both of us have experienced Mm -hmm. and i've also been diagnosed with SIBO um Yours is more significant than mine. So when the doctors came back with results, I asked specifically if they can tell the severity of it. And they told me that they really couldn't. Um, They can only track like how soon or how quickly it appeared within my breath. But 
Unfortunately, I don't have that information. I was not able to gather it. You need as... to get your records, girl. I know, exactly. I So that is something on my to-do list. I want to get all of my records so I can analyze it myself so I know what's going on with my body. But our understanding, based off of the doctor's reaction or the um, follow-up, uh, I guess, procedure or the way to get rid of this bacteria was not as significant as yours. So for, yeah, the, for the, the medication that they put you on. Exactly. So yeah, what they do for once they do find SIBO uh, is that they just put you on antibiotics. Mm-hmm. And for me, my doctor only recommended one round of antibiotics and then we're going to meet back up in three to six months. But yours is different. Your doctor said something different. And it could be based upon, like you had just said about how the test is done, how fast the bacteria or the gas that you're producing is like what they're measuring, like you had said, it shows up. Um, it's really interesting because there's actually different types of SIBO. There is, um, depending on like what's going on with your body, how often, like, so one of the big differences between you and I is the frequency and urgency of diarrhea. Um, mm, yep. Just to be very like, like to the point about it. That's one of the biggest differences that I've seen between us. The bloating seems the same, the pain, where it sits, how it moves, lower abdominal pain is where it kind of ends up before having that bowel movement. But either for you, it's slower or, or I don't know, you're experiencing it different and you're not having right. that same level of diarrhea. Um, you're right. still having mm-hmm. some, but not the level. So it's interesting because there's like three types of SIBO. There's hydrogen predominant SIBO and that primary treatment is rifaximin, which is what they put me on. Okay. Um, there's methane predominant SIBO and that one's harder to treat and it takes longer to respond to treatment. But that one, they also use Rifaximin Rifaximin plus they use like another medication usually on top of that. And there's recurring SIBO, which is what I've now been diagnosed with, um, where basically it, it's, (laughs) it's never going to go away. Like you Mm -hmm. try to get it to go into remission or to be lessened by eating a specific diet, um, which I've been told to stay on that FODMAP diet now, basically perpetually. And then they start to try to um, add in microbial um, like herbs. And um, one of the things that Paul and I joke about is a fecal transplant, which is actually a thing. Um mm-hmm where you are basically they um, take somebody in your household usually it's somebody that you share everyday germs with um, and they take their poop and they disinfect it in some way I don't know the science I'm not again we're not doctors as we disclose at the beginning of our podcast Um, they do something to it and then but they they do it in a way that the healthy bacteria is still there and they literally put a tube down your nose or in your mouth and into your stomach and they put your partner's shit in you and you and the idea is it needs to introduce good bacteria um so it's really interesting SIBO and 
we talked about those symptoms that both of us have had, but have you done any reading about why it happens? Like the cause of SIBO? No, I have not. Um, so it's really interesting because one of the big, there's a couple of like things it it says they, there's not a lot of science behind it. All they know is like, man, all of a sudden these people have all this like bacteria growing over in their guts that shouldn't be there. Um, and so one of the things is like, if you have, uh, diverticulitis, uh, or diverticuli, um, I'm probably saying that wrong, which is like little Mm -hmm. pockets in your intestinal wall that can become inflamed. And so what I think about it as, because I have them, um, this last time I had my colonoscopy done, they found a whole bunch of them and it's now they weren't inflamed or anything. So everybody can, can get them. They don't know why, why they're there, but what it looks like is almost like a stretch mark. If you think about it, you know how if you ever have like a hair, a tiny hair go through a grow through a stretch mark and it be, can become like really irritated because the sure. skin is so thin. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like in your intestinal wall, your that intestinal wall, this one little section of it's been stretched out, and now there's this pocket, and stuff can get stuck in there, and it can become infected and inflamed, and that's when people have like terrible pains in their um, colon area, which would be on your like lower left side. Um, anyway, so that's one of the reasons. Um, another reason can be pH changes in your small bowel. So like if you're taking antibiotics and you're completely destroying all of that, or if you're Everything. drinking mm-hmm. and eating a lot of acidic foods, like all of that, you have an immune deficiency problem. Um, or the muscular activity of the small intestines malfunctions, which means that your food and bacteria aren't being moved, right? So it's like slowing everything down. But the biggest one for me and for both of us, I think, is the pH changes because, yeah. of, because of antibiotics. Just our past and what we've already discussed, like growing up, everything that's happened. Exactly. Um But it's just interesting to me, too, because one thing that SIBO is associated with is surgeries that cause adhesions, like my abdominal surgeries that I had had. Mm -hmm. Um, IBS is another thing that usually people that have uh, SIBO would also have IBS. Um, But it's also like Crohn's disease or celiac disease, um, like a stomach bug or, you know, all of those kind of things, too. But The surgery one, the IBS, because I've also been diagnosed with that, those are ones, too, that I think about because that's a difference between you and I as well. Mm -hmm. So then it's like, well, that doesn't make sense. Maybe the severity of it's been increased because of it. And so ultimately, after I got, like, done with the antibiotics, which I'll say right now, I had to go on two different antibiotics. The first round... um, it was uh, something that was a little bit harsh, and I was told by a couple people, multiple people, that I need to make sure that I am literally taking it while eating food. Otherwise, there's going to be consequences. And uh, it's antibiotics. So you're not supposed to drink alcohol, which I can't drink alcohol anyways. That includes any foods or medicines that have alcohol 
in it. So like certain salad dressings or like uh, night quill or mm-hmm. flu medicine. Um, so I did not realize how true to that it was. And I took an antibiotic uh, two hours after eating and I mm-hmm. got basically the stomach flu and I was severely sick which was really upsetting because I was already down on weight and I was really not wanting to lose anymore. And at this point, um, I had already made the decision that I was going to pause from going back to the doctors and taking a break from doing any further treatments that would force me to not eat, like to fast, or that can run the risk of me getting sick. And so this was extremely disappointing and really upsetting. Mm -hmm. Um, But ultimately, I called my doctor back and they suggested a second type of antibiotic. Um, This one is not necessarily specific to SIBO, but it was still supposed to assist. Mm -hmm. And in that round, I was good. That I made sure to eat it or take it while eating food and right. follow all instructions. So it went by a lot easier. And and I have to say, like, I did feel some difference, mm-hmm. like, after taking the antibiotic. Um, I, but did it last long? Sorry, go ahead. It didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> long story short, it did not last. Um, I felt somewhat better for about... I think a week mm-hmm. or a week and a half maybe. And then I I'm starting to go back to how it was before. It's not fun. And then it's like, so I know with my doctor, <clears throat> he had told me my gastrointestinal specialist, he had told me like after, cause I came back and I'm like, okay, that helped for like maybe a month. And now I'm back to pooping my brains out. And I was really trying to be good about the diet that first Mm -hmm. go around I was like I will do this diet and all that was happening was me losing a lot of weight and like being exhausted because the diet is super restrictive and like earlier in the podcast we had talked about the diet that you were on and Mm -hmm. later on and I don't think we talked about this we were hanging out something I don't know D&D And you were eating something. And I was like, well, how can you eat that? That's not allowed on the diet. And you're like, oh, no, I just had to go on this low, this FODMAP diet, not Mm -hmm. a a SIBO diet. So I thought they were the same thing. I thought the SIBO diet was the low FODMAP diet. No, I showed you my list, if you recall. Two different diets. It is two different diets. And the SIBO one is low FODMAP, but then it's even more restrictive. Yep. And I'm like, how would you live? And so then it's like, do I live? Do I, I don't even know. I don't even know the answer, but. Well, and I have to tell you, so I talked to my doctor in regards to, okay, well, I know like there's the SIBO diet. Like I've heard of that obviously because of you. And I was like, okay, well you confirmed to have SIBO. Like what are my next steps? And he told me, well, we'll meet up again in like three to six months. If you have any like serious issues in the meantime, by all means, call back. But uh, we'll reconvene three to six months. And then he specifically said, like, 
do not follow the diet. You need to like obviously don't eat like super unhealthy, but he said you need to not follow the diet because you you're going to lose weight. You're not going to like hold on to any nutrition. It's not going to be beneficial for you. And I'm like, okay. So what what am I supposed to do? Like and how do people with recurring SIBO live? Right. Like, is it in a constant state of shitting your brains out and then eating a whole bunch of crap that you know is going to make your stomach upset? Dealing with that just so you can gain enough weight so that you can go on your diet you're supposed to be on and then have enough weight to lose and then just do the cycle over and over again? Well, I'm wondering if like there there has to be some sort of like fine balance where there's you either are 100% on the SIBO diet and your body for whatever reason is able to maintain and you don't lose a whole bunch of weight mm-hmm. or you find that balance of the foods that like kind of bother you but they don't have like a really bad reaction and mm-hmm. so you just making sure that you get enough calories or that you do certain activities to not lose the weight and still like you might have maybe some better days versus other days but I I don't understand how somebody can be on that restrictive of a diet for an extended period of time right I don't either so I think that brings us to a good point of you know, what's next? And one of the things that I get inspired in different ways um, by what's going on in life, right? So my son, Tim, your nephew, hello. (laughs) It's so weird. Okay, sidebar, this will be a good blooper, Thomas and Mickey. It's so weird doing this because we have to like tell people who these people are. But then it's like, but I'm telling my sister who my son is. Like she hasn't (laughs) been there for his whole life. Okay, sorry. End of sidebar. Um. So my son, Tim, he's bipolar. And so right now he is not medicated. We talked to psychiatrists, worked through a lot of different things over the last couple of years specifically, and have gotten to the point where we took him off of his medication to kind of see where he's at. And that's something that, especially given his age, the psychiatrist recommended to do. Um, But with COVID and everything going on uh, where we're living, it was just the perfect time for us to try it. So well, and I also keep in mind that he, his age, so yes. he He's is 13. Going, yeah, 13, <laughs> going through puberty, there's some yep. changes, which means that there's hormone changes, and therefore, medication is going to change. Exactly. So, the reason why I bring this up is because I've done a lot of reading, and one thing about bipolar disorder, and um he has some other things going on. So people on the spectrum and stuff like that. So, but one thing that I read about is the success that can, people can have when they do figure out their diets and the success that they can have with a very strict exercise regimen. So you and I had been chatting about one of the next things might be exercise. All things stay the same, but we're exercising regularly with a, whatever we can commit to, but making sure that we're moving so many days a week and seeing if that actually helps with the digestion and the gut issues. So what are your thoughts on that? So I, all right, listeners, our travel companions, 
don't quit on us now. Don't start thinking that we're going to get super hyper focused and become some sort of crazy exercise people because no. I <laughs> you will learn very quickly if you have not learned already that we are not ones to go out of our way to be extremely fit. <laughs> no. Um, no. I will only be exercising so that I can control poop. Um because frankly, you know, checking out the rest of our blog, social media, our other podcasts, we like to game <laughs> a lot. <laughs> so either tabletop or video or watching TV or whatever the case may be, or sitting on our butts crafting stuff. Like, we're pretty much butt people. But butt I people. will say, <laughs> it reminds me of her water people. A little bit more history. Uh, for myself is that during high school and college, I was in the performing arts. I was doing winter guard or color guard. Essentially, I remember being active to that point, like dancing and whatnot. And while I was in practice, I felt good. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't constantly working out either. I was just I was just moving like my mm -hmm. body was just actively moving and I wasn't a couch potato. Mm -hmm. I was not yeah. a butt person. <laughs> a butt person. At that point, you were not a butt person right. uh, in that way. But you like so, butts. I did like butts. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. So I, I, uh, I am interested in this. Um, yeah. I don't know what frequency are you thinking well i want to do a little research so one thing that i think we owe to our listeners and the people that are following us and maybe you know on this journey with us is what are the scientific documented benefits of exercise and maybe we talk about that in our next um, podcast where specific to digestion specific to mm -hmm. um people that may be struggling with diarrhea, um, you know, things like that. And one of the things that in the past I've, I've always struggled with, and, and this is my personality type, I like to go big and go hard really at the beginning, really, really fast. And so yeah. then it's like, I'm going to change my entire lifestyle. And you end up not knowing what worked, what didn't work, because you changed too many things. There's no control yeah. over the experiment. Um, and so now with the fact that I don't have a job corporate wise, and I'm really dedicating like my time to that one life and experience, you know, researching these things, it, a more systematic approach is going to be best. So doing the research, finding out what people say works, because maybe it's yoga. Maybe it's the specific movements and stretching of certain muscles that helps with digestion and we don't have to do cardio because that would be fucking awesome. Um, <laughs> it's already starting. <laughs> know, um, but maybe it is the cardio. Maybe it's maybe it's how soon after you eat that you're moving. Like, I have no idea. So doing I want to do some research around that. But then I'm thinking to not shock our systems and just to see like. Is it a day-to-day -day thing or is it a – so let me how, – how do I want to explain what's in my brain? If I wake up in the morning and I feel like P. Diddy and I do my yoga and I 
do some dance exercise because that is totally what I would do. Mm -hmm. And I feel better all day. Is it, uh, and I feel better. Okay. Let's define feel better. I don't shit my pants. I don't have bad bloating. I'm not in such pain that I just have to like sit down, you know, like all these things that I normally feel in a day. Mm -hmm. And I'm documenting throughout the day, like, how am I feeling? And I feel a benefit, but then the next day is my rest day and I don't work out and I feel down. Then is it like I have to do this every day? So then is it becomes like smoking? Right. Like, all right. I have another fucking box on my list to check off today because now I know if I do my yoga in the morning and then I smoke 30 minutes before I eat that I definitely won't shit my brains for six hours. And we talked about last episode, the crystal ball. Mm -hmm. And so then you start to, to micromanage your day like that. So it's going to be interesting because if it is just three times a week and overall your digestion improves and you're feeling better, I can totally do that. But if it becomes another box, I have to check off. It's hard for me personally to sustain it. Mm -hmm. Because, No, and I, I and I can totally understand that because I have I've now moved on to my so I use edibles. I've I kind of started to steer away from smoking marijuana only because I know that they're still doing testing on smoking and ultimately at this time the doctors are stating that um Smoking anything can be harmful because you're well, you're putting burning carcinogens into your lungs, right? Yeah. Like you're aggravating your lungs. So yeah. while they're doing that testing, I just yeah. made a <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! While they're doing that testing, I've made a personal choice just to move over to edibles, and which is a whole other discussion because. The edibles that are available right now use corn syrup and use not the best of ingredients, but that's fine. I would rather deal with poop than deal with cancer at this time of life. So I am taking edibles and I take them at a specific time of day because it is routine now where I know my stomach is going to start reacting at this time of day my edibles typically take this long to kick in therefore on a daily basis I take edibles at a specific time of day yeah and so then if you discover this specific kind of exercise works for you but only if you do it at a specific specific time of day then you have this additional thing and I am definitely like a person that I want to be efficient about what I'm doing and I don't, if it's not something I'm going to enjoy, but something I know I should do. So like take this exercise, let's say that it's running. I just threw up a little bit in my mouth, but I was going to say what, that is the worst one to use. uh, Right. So let's say it's running that that's what ultimately I try everything else. And then one day I decide I'm going to run and that's what works. Now I have something that works that will make me feel better that I'll hate. And so mentally, and we'll have a discussion about mental health because that would affect my mental health. Yeah. I, and then if I don't do it, that would affect my mental health even more. Cause I already get on myself. Like yesterday I forgot to take my fucking hormones. 
Because oh, I have to put a reminder in my phone. And last night I started getting really bad hot flashes. And I was like, I'm dying hot. Like everybody's freezing and I'm like sweating buckets. And <clears throat> I get down on myself. Like, why would I do this to myself? You're so dumb. Like, why would you forget to take your hormones? Like, this is just going to make things worse. You're going to have a bad day tomorrow because I usually get – I'll start to get migraines. Like, it's just a it's a snowball. Just now, snowballs. how long have you been taking hormones now? Um, It has been since I had my surgery, which was in – july so like the beginning of july so it's been almost three months almost three. But, but the thing is is that it's like three months might seem like a while in order to get something down but i swear it's going to take like a year it totally will and i might change up like the formulation that i'm on because i take a pill and mom's like you should just get a patch you put it on hmm. once a week sure and then because i also have the gut issues if i'm having a day with bad digestion is that contributing to the frequency of my migraines because i'm not absorbing my hormones like i don't know That's enough about how it gets absorbed yeah so anyway there's just a lot to consider because i guess you can do like a, a patch you can do a sh uh, some kind of device that goes under your skin which i yeah. don't like that but um so I'm going to look into that a little bit, but we digress. So it, it, it just, I don't want it to be another thing that I fail at because then I get on myself and I'm like, awesome. I can't do that right either. I can't even get up out of bed and exercise at 5.30, 7 a.m. every morning because that's what time my body <laughs> says I have to exercise by in order to poop right for the rest of the day. So See, and I'm my... catastrophizing. I don't know if any of this will come true, but... No, and I can understand that because I can already see how, like, I can have thoughts that are similar to that. So let's say that running was the cure-all for whatever reason, and I hate running. Yeah, I that one for us, so. It really would be because I, I swear I get, like, <laughs> onset asthma when <laughs> I start to run, like, my lungs – do not function when I start running and it's just it's really bad like they burn and stuff yeah they burn yeah. and if I run for too long or too hard then I actually get nauseous I start yeah. to get dizzy and I and then my lungs are burning so I can't breathe right but if that was the answer and I can tell you right now I it would be a miracle for me to actually follow that right. mm -hmm. I I would, uh, every time I would feel bad, it'd be like, well, you know what the answer is, like, and you're choosing not to do it. So these consequences are not only my fault, but it's almost like you kind of deserve it. Right. But then that fucks up with your head. Exactly. It's not you're like, well, the only way to get out of it is to do this one thing that you absolutely hate doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather be miserable. <laughs> so. and that's like and that's messed up like yeah it's yeah. not good yeah so what else do you think that you might do so I was planning on trying the exercise thing for about a month <clears throat> to give it a good go yeah so a month uh, I that sounds good and I will do some research as you were doing and I prefer like just, just I, I don't 
I like doing any type of dancing, uh, yoga, or um, even just just straight out working out, like doing mm-hmm. the push-ups, the crunches, going through like a routine. It's kind of like dance, but I make a routine where it's easy to move between different positions and different moves. Yeah. Um, but I'll do that for a month. Um <clears throat> and do research on it and then also um i so as i mentioned i'm taking a break from the medicine mm-hmm. world i'm not going to do anything that's going to compromise me losing any more weight and so i'm going to be focusing on gaining weight um the healthy way so mm-hmm. i've already tried the unhealthy way and within a couple of weeks it's just not good um, my body clearly can't handle some foods. So, mm-hmm. uh, definitely I, I'm thinking about doing a, a elimination diet, but then reintroducing and doing it on a very balanced manner. So I'm going to go down to very bland foods, mm-hmm. kind of trying to figure out if, the bland foods have my stomach reacting in any certain certain way, um, and then reintroducing foods and then seeing how my stomach reacts. I've done something similar to this with like the FODMAP diet, but I want to take it one step further. I want to do it in a way where it's almost like caveman style. I kill a chicken, I cook it, and then I eat it. Yeah, like paleo mm-hmm. almost. Yeah. Almost, yeah. Yeah. And I think that um, I'll be doing that along with you um, during that time, too, and really just focusing on and it'll be interesting to start like a food journal or something like that, where you kind of have to become in tune with your body. Like, how am I feeling like 10 mm-hmm. minutes after I ate an hour after I ate? Um, and then if you are starting to feel a certain way, it's like noting what time, like, what did I eat? Did I use a certain spice even or herb or, you know, yep. something like that, that could have potentially fucked with something. I don't know. Well, and it's true because you think about your husband and cilantro. Yeah. Yeah. He cannot have cilantro. It makes him violently ill, like to the point where we think he might even be allergic to it or something, but um, it'll make him throw up. And he just can't have it. And so, and even when we were doing our FODMAP diet research, garlic was on there because of how fermentable it is. Um, That's a sad one. I know. I love garlic. I I put garlic in everything. Yep. Um, So it'll be really interesting to go completely bland and just start to add things back and just be like, well, this was day two of rice and rice is good to go or rice isn't good to go um and then like how we'll have to do some research on how to do it right because obviously like you need to make sure you're balancing your nutrition because that can fuck with how you digest things as well like if you eat a whole bunch of fruit for seven days of course you're gonna have (laughs) diarrhea and like I was saying before I'm not looking to do anything that's going to make me lose more weight so I have to make sure that I'm getting all of the necessary nutrients so my body can maintain. Yep. Minimum. Yeah. Awesome. Um, the only other thing that we had kind of talked about doing um, was developing 
just not developing so much, but curating a list of foods that don't upset your stomachs or food or our stomach or food that does. And so by doing that and kind of having an ongoing living, breathing list so that when you are grocery shopping or meal planning, you have a list for yourself to choose from. And I think with that list, we're also to help our fellow adventurers out going to touch base into the financial aspect of it. Yes. And that will be huge and a great opportunity for me because my life has changed so recently. Yeah. With no longer having a job. So I don't have the luxury of um, spending the money that I did on food before. So my budget for food has definitely shrunk um, significantly. And so doing that research for just the financial impact of food, but then also the financial impact of all of the medical testing, the appointments, the, you know, you have to have an appointment to have a consultation to get the test. Yeah. Um, and then you get billed for that. And it's like, well, they already knew I wanted this test. I already told them I wanted the test, but why did they have to consult me for the test? I told them I already wanted so, yep. yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, so definitely tell us, you know, what you guys want to talk about and what you'd like to hear about. Um, if there's anything in our history from the past that we've talked about um, earlier that you'd like us to go into more depth on, please let us know. And you can uh, always follow along about our up to date what we're doing, um, either through our blog, through our Instagram uh, follow us on social media and you'll be right along the journey with us. Absolutely. Uh, we have a lot of fun over there and uh, <laughs> we we like to share um, what's going on in our Nat 1 lives. And sometimes we roll Nat 20s, which is pretty awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Sarah. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah.